Welcome to today's Hemp Parents Podcast, everyone. I'm host Joy Beckerman and happy to deliver to you an interview with all the way from India, Rohit Sharma, a true global hero in industrial hemp and a selfless inventor and organizer of people. Also, uh, the license holder of the very first license to produce hemp in the entire country of India. And also, we must take a moment to tribute and mourn who we know as the notorious RBG. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has transitioned to the other side. Uh, having fought so many good fights, I would not be able to do justice here in this weekly address uh, to mention all of them. I love Vogue's title of their tribute to her that came out as I record this message, Five Feet Tall But Towering Over All of Us. That's who Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg is. Harvard and Columbia Law School is where she attended. Of course, in 1980, uh, President Jimmy Carter appointed her to the U.S. Court of Appeals. And she is a consensus builder, was a consensus builder, and changed the world, changed the nation, changed life, not just for women, but civil rights for everybody. She fought and protected civil rights for men, for women, for every nationality, uh, for every uh, possible category of humans that you could try to divide or discriminate against. That is her legacy. And on August 10th, 1993, she was sworn in as the second female jurist in the nation's highest court after being appointed to the Supreme Court by the Clinton administration. There are so many quotes that I could share, uh, so much wisdom that has been imparted by Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg to all of us. But the one that sticks out the most and the one that really sums up the purpose um, and the goals in my own life is, if you wanna be a true professional, you'll do something outside yourself, something to repair tears in your community, something to make life a little better for people less fortunate than you. That's what I think a meaningful life is, living not for oneself, but for one's community. That's the quote that I wanted to leave everyone with from Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And man, we better fight like the notorious RBG. And with that, folks, I bring to you my interview with the amazing global hero who is Rohit Sharma. Have a great week, everybody, and fight like RBG. Well, welcome to Hemp Barons. Thank you so much for being with us today, Rohit. Thank you, Joy. Thank you for inviting me on your podcast. Oh, we're so lucky to have you, brother. And like so many of my international heroes and heroines uh, who are doing such tremendous work pioneering uh, this incredible versatile plant across the globe, I miss your face. You're joining us from India today, and I usually get to see you at least four times a year. Um, and so far in 2020, I haven't seen you even one time. So uh, thank you again for, for being with us and for giving us an update on the tremendous work works being undertaken under your leadership through the India Industrial Hemp Association, as well as Can Indica. Now, India, the India Industrial Hemp Association, which was your brainchild, now some years old, um, is of course the first licensed hemp producer in the entire country of India. So could you tell us, uh, give us an overview of those activities and what it took to be able to procure uh, that relationship and that licensing to reintroduce this tremendous crop in India? 
well, it was not that easy like as around the world. People asked, uh, it took us almost uh, five years to reach that uh, stage where we got the first license and to uh, explain the government how important this plant is, how um, how we were a part of this plant in our country and it's in our tradition and a lot of other things and how world economy is trying to boom around this uh, plant. So yes, so we uh, we first uh, started with building our technical team, which we made it quite strong. Uh, because if you don't have a technical know-how about anything, it's uh, you sh you can't explain the government uh, with just speaking about good things about things. You have to prove some facts and figures and investments and lot of other things so yeah yes so it was not easy i'm it's, it sounds like it's way back because it's uh, now already three years uh, we have been cultivating hemp now and uh, we are already uh, planned launching uh, hemp policies in other states of india and which will be big uh, bigger than this state and uh, uh, so but uh, but the best part about uh, uh, this is whatever we said to the government which whatever we explained to the government uh, hemp uh, proved uh, its value and hemp proved the value to the farmers in the valleys and where there was job issues and they were migrating from these villages and these villages were called actually ghost villages uh, because there were only old people every young people used to just travel out uh, so we took that as a, uh, you can say uh, a, a thing for to explain the government like uh, we can rehabilitate your villages and if there is a economy going on uh, which is related to farming uh, which is a value uh, and money is coming so they will not migrate and um, we saw that people actually coming back in the villages and start working around hemp you know, uh, I wish that just straight up grassroots activism would do the trick and certainly grassroots activism in so many ways does because voices are heard. Uh, folks can say, please support this bill, please support this initiative, but may not, of course, have that scientific or technology or even economic background. Oftentimes, it's not just the science, as you well know, and the technology that needs to be explained to lawmakers, policymakers and authorities. Um, but also the economic interest and those driving factors, and which is uh, compounded since hemp's history is so old due to the global prohibition um, of the crop. We don't have recent historical data to give uh, to these lawmakers and policymakers. So, so tremendous um, that you put such a team together and, and that you yourself, of course, and, and the intellect uh, that you have garnered quite proactively and availed yourself of, of information and science that allows you to articulate and put forth uh, these measures and are now actually growing the crop. Now, when we talk about coastal villages or, or sort of non-first world uh, areas and regions, which many countries have these regions, whether they're first world or not uh, primarily, we are talking also about low cost technologies, uh, a way of course that we can make infrastructure happen. Growing the plant, that's, that's a tremendous um, accomplishment, but now we have to take that longest, strongest fiber in the world and somehow harvest it, process it, create the infrastructure for it so that we can make these thousands of products uh, out of the plant itself. And then of course the extraction, which we're going to get into in a moment. Could you talk to us a little bit about uh, these low cost 
technologies that you are developing and or are aware of that helps make the crop more accessible uh, for folks with low technology to be able to use it and be a part of the supply chain? Uh, yes, Joy. Uh, technology is, uh, is the winning point of any new industry. If you don't have good technologies, you can't win the battle. Uh, and uh, we won. We are winning. Uh, we will be winning the battle because of the technologies in future. Uh, because when when I was traveling, and it's almost a decade now uh, around the world, the hemp or processing units are primarily coming from Europe and uh, various other countries where uh, these machines are a million dollars expensive and it's uh, hemp uh, i felt at that time like adaptation of hemp plant cannot be so expensive that uh, in the wildest dream a simple person who wants to a small farmer wants to grow hemp and for a small acreage and they cannot uh, you know ex um, spend so much of money on these expensive machineries and india also and africa also and there's so many other countries they can't afford these kind of machineries and they are primarily uh, were not available when I, uh, I started looking and it was a challenge. Uh, so I started digging out in a lot of uh, engineering companies and also we made one company uh, with the engineers who built it, uh, all these machineries and now we build all the machineries related to hemp in India, uh, which are from, is, you can buy one machinery which can be just good for one small farmer to the large size, uh, whatever you want. And uh, the prices we kept like so under uh, the limit that uh, where we uh, checked on one price which were costing around us almost five million euros and uh, we had that machinery is few hundred thousand dollars you know so uh, this kind of uh, technology we bring in but the technology has never ending we are still in an R&D of uh, making it better and better for example fiber decortication people around the world think fiber decortication is the thing about just ripping off the fiber from the herds uh, and uh, that's how the fiber is made that's not true uh, but like the rating is more important you know it better because you have been traveling around Europe and have been in the part of fiber industry. But a lot of people don't know about uh, how fiber uh, should be treated or rated. Uh, what is rating? It's not decorticating. Decorticating is just chipping off uh, the skin off from uh, the stem. So uh, we made a technology which is uh, an uh, anaerobic technology where in anaerobic technology you don't waste water and you keep recycling uh, the clean water with the bacteria and bacteria eats the lignans and the lignans uh, are um, and the, the, the lignans loosed in the uh, which are uh, in the water they are again eaten by the bacteria to make it fresh and uh, from that you generate methane uh, and you know, that methane can be a fuel, uh, you can use methane in so many other things. So, uh, and you get a very clean fiber and it's eco-friendly. So these kind of technologies are looking to come out, to scale out uh, from uh, India and around the world. And uh, the, we are not patenting any of these things because we believe it should be a free technologies. Uh, and uh, then uh, coming to CBD or any medicinal sites, we also made our own machineries. We were stuck with a lot of Chinese machineries or there are some international like VTA, Pope, many, various other machineries were there. But we started building our own CGMP machine setups from a lab scale to a full scale like tons and tons you can process and the biomass you can process. 
and uh, that also we uh, brought the cost down again from millions to few hundred thousand dollars uh, so that the, uh, whenever you do a business if you invest too much of money in capex uh doesn't make any point because that will affect the prices of your final product so uh that was the idea behind uh coming up with technology sectors and then again the seeds then various other machineries uh, you know we are working around it biotechnologies we are working around growing a lot of uh, cell cultures of a lot of uh, uh high grade low uh, low uh, cannabinoids which are so uh, low in the in the plant where we can just grow them in by uh, biotechnologies and uh, you know uh, people can benefit as a medicines from those rare cannabinoids also I want to take a moment to just highlight and underscore you and and your work and what you are accomplishing. I have the privilege and pleasure, man, I will try to get through this without being emotional, brother, because I'm a bit taken aback over the footprint that you are making in the world. I have the privilege and pleasure of working with and having relationships with some of the most prolific cannabis activists and entrepreneurs um, on the planet Earth, of which you are one. There is not a single one, um, Rohit, that checks all of the boxes. That I mean, I don't know how one person could be accomplishing what you are accomplishing brother without the most dedicated commitment and at least 16 hour days and while you're managing a marriage and being a father so we're talking about law and policy bringing forth uh the the liberation of the plant at least that one precious first license thanks to you farming the plant harvesting it being involved in technology and equipment to harvest and process the plant but not just that from an ecological perspective and the technology that you're talking about just on the redding and so the listeners know it, a, a, an easy way to think of what redding is as rotting or decomposing uh where we have to break up those linions. Linions is a very sticky material. It's what gives plants their rigidity. In fact, there's so much linion in trees. That's why they're so solid. If you punch a tree, you'll hurt yourself. There's just so darn much linion, etc. And it, and it takes so many chemicals to break that wood cellulose down and turn it into pulp for paper, which needs to be bleached because all of that dark linen. And here we have Rohit talking to us about a technology that's been invented, an anaerobic technology that eats that linen, keeping the water fresh, telling me right there, no bleach, no dioxins in the water table. And then it creates methane. We're talking about regeneration beyond sustainability, uh, these technologies. We're talking about you also making a huge imprint in standard setting with CGMP, current good manufacturing practices, of course, continuing to set those standards for ethics um, and testing and measurements and quality as these industries emerge, particularly in the dietary supplement and medicinal space. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And finally, and, and when I say finally, I still haven't gotten to them all, but for purposes of moving on in the time that we have, to not patent these technologies. I want to make sure that the listeners heard you say that you want these inventions to be available to the people. Uh, this is this is the heart of, of a citizen, of a global citizen of epic proportions. And I just, I really want to take the time um, in this platform 
to highlight, Rohit, the tremendous amount of work and commitment that it has already taken to, to make these accomplishments, which people generally wouldn't do in a lifetime. And I got a feeling you're just getting started, brother. And and with that, let's as we move into the medicinal and dietary aspects of extract, and we'll get back onto fiber, talk to us about the very deep history that India has in health through Ayurveda sciences and some of those uh, recipes and and uh, and the footprint that cannabis has within those India traditions. Well, uh, as I said, uh, uh, we were talking uh, cannabis is a traditional plant in India. We are drinking cannabis when we were young kids as on holy on our festivals and it was completely okay like it was a traditional drink and uh, we used to have fun drink cannabis and you know get uh, that on one day and no parents used to mind that and uh, suddenly when we grow, grew up and uh, it's uh, sometimes uh, you see uh, if you come to india india you will see cannabis growing all over the place you know you're walking there is cannabis on left and right everywhere so never thought like it the uh, that uh, what is uh, the value of the plant the value of the plant goes way back like 5000 years back and uh, in our books, uh, cannabis is written that it is uh, a herb that which uh, has uh, properties of even getting the dead back. You know, it's it's written in the books like you can get the dead back from uh, cannabis, and it is one of the holiest plant. And uh, we even uh, tribute this plant to Lord Shiva on our, on the festivals. Uh, so when you give something to God, obviously God will have something um, uh, good, not bad thing for sure. Uh, so Ayurveda came uh, to I, nobody actually knows how long uh, how years how many years back Ayurveda was written and but uh, people have the books and we follow those practice it over the time period it has been getting advanced and advanced and advanced where people used to detest um, Ayurveda around the world now people are accepting that the natural therapy is way better than any allopathic therapy around the world uh, because it's nature and we are come from nature we have a connection with nature and nature will not harm you so Ayurveda based based on that so Ayurveda uh, in cannabis and Ayurveda uh, there is no language which says uh, it treats cancer or it will treat epilepsy or it will treat any um, uh, PTSDs or uh, any other things like now we see these diseases uh, what is the factor? Maybe they are man-made diseases because at that time these diseases were not there. Uh, so that the major diseases uh, which uh, are covered under Ayurveda are uh, is, uh, called Pitta and uh, Kapha and their various others. Uh, and uh, uh, this is all about stomach ailments. Like if you have uh, anything bad going on, it's something wrong with your stomach. So with cannabis, it associates when you take cannabis, it improve, improvise your uh, your system, your um, uh, your body, uh, your stomach is good, your everything is good. So uh, cannabis does that. So that is written and it is also given if you, uh, yes, and for insomnia, it has written, like if you have a problem sleeping uh, then it has it used to be taken uh, and uh, people do, uh, in India used to enjoy cannabis as uh, in around the world people used to enjoy scotch so it was cannabis was Indian scotch uh, and uh, 
so I, I, and ayurveda is also in a similar way uh, this uh, uh, with the gram like you know how much dosage also is written proper dosage like if you are using a grounded flower uh, or the extracts all the dosage are written properly you know how much you have to take plus there are more herbs you they say that you add on to those uh, these into this plant and it will be much more beneficial uh, so uh, there's more to talk to, like I can go on, you know, for hours and hours about it, but uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll just cut it a little shorter. No, indeed, brother, the science uh, is the science of nature is fascinating and we have everything that we need to live healthy lives right here uh, in nature and the synergistic effects of of the herbs and plants and funguses that nature has to offer us. Um, it's beautiful science and I'm, I'm just thrilled watching it all unfold, especially even with the advent of the liberation of, of uh, mushrooms as well. Let's talk a little bit about CBD pricing, get some sort of commercial info in here for folks as well, um, and and how that price could fluctuate, why it should go up, should go down, and, and how the Indian market can help contribute to uh, the global market and be a part of the global trade with regard to hemp extract, cannabidiol, CBD, and, and the other uh, cannabinoids, of course, that are on the rise and making their way into the marketplace. Well, it's, uh, it takes me back when uh, uh, it's almost a decade now when CBD people don't even didn't even know about what is CBD. And there was a uh, in 2013, I remember we got uh, CBD got like last in the second session, uh, last uh, one few minutes uh, round of somebody <laughs> should speak about CBD and nobody knew about CBD at that time. And that time, uh, CBD used to get sold at $120 a gram. And uh, it was in Cologne when, uh, you know, Darwin was there and uh, I was there, Boris was there. And uh, there was one more, I, uh, I forgot his name. Yeah, so we were sitting and it all came uh, like CBD will be the new thing. And, you know, nobody knows about CBD right now, but it will come up. And uh, and it's one twenty dollars a gram. I said, "What? One twenty dollars? Like if you're giving a medicine, one twenty dollars? Everybody wants it every day. You 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 should be a billionaire." <laughs> so I said, "It should be it should be sold like aspirin. You know, it should be that easy to be available." It all started in my mind at that time, and I, I myself sold CBD uh, that uh, I dropped the price from one twenty dollars to sixty dollars, and from sixty dollars to twenty five dollars, and twenty five dollars to fifteen dollars, and fifteen dollars I stopped because after that uh, America took <laughs> a big leap on uh, bringing so much of CBD, uh, and a lot of players are there. But my, the target is that see if you are making a medicine. Either you make Ferrari or you make a locomotive, which everybody can use, or you, if you are making Ferrari, only few can enjoy. So CBD should not be a Ferrari. It is a necessity for dying children, for who are having epilepsy. Just ask their parents, uh, like how much it hurts their pockets when they go and buy. And uh, you know, at that time it was hundred forty dollars and all. So yes, the answer is the prices should definitely go down, and uh, I will make sure it will go down to a cent. <laughs> so uh, and uh, the thing is. 
says uh, um, it is no uh, harm it will no give no harm or impact on any businesses around the world because when the price will go down the demand will go up demand will go up such a way that it will be sold like a coke when you sell a coke you have said don't sell a few hundred thousand pieces you sell billion and trillion pieces you know so but the masses can access that it has it has should have a mass reach it should not be confined to a uh, few people who can afford it uh, so definitely cbd prices are go down already it has gone down the like isolates are going down like or up just heard like at 50 cents in india i have already produced for 10 cents uh, so uh, i am i am i will get it down to 1 cents uh, if i have to and uh, maybe absolutely free if it is so much uh, so the the thing is Uh, the business is growing. When the business grows, the demand grows, and when the demand grows, the prices go down. Uh, and uh, it will. Everybody is getting benefit out of it. That's why every day we hear the CBD. But not only CBD. People are talking about CBD. Nobody is talking about other cannabinoids. People are just taking away the THC benefits. Today, people are taking away the other full uh, uh, spectrum benefits. Now, I have seen. where the people were running for isolates everybody was running for isolates they have changed their mind and they want to go for broad spectrums and full spectrums and because they realize that's it's full coming back to ayurveda which you asked ayurveda does not define whether there is thc or cbd so in india i am privileged to launch thc and cbd and all everything because we don't define our cannabis medicines as only no thc plant it say it has to be a complete plant profile so i'm launching uh, this product called ispots uh, in 2021 uh, everything is set to be uh, almost very cost effective product for indian market uh, and uh, it will be almost 10 times lower than anything you were getting in india and broad spectrums and full spectrums with high quality uh, varieties uh, these oils will be Uh, and it will be much more affordable just to set a mark like this is possible it's not like an impossible thing to do creating the reality of it and blazing that trail so that others can follow you and i want to make sure we understood the name of it did you say ice box is what you'll be launching uh, no i'm named it ice spots ice bots uh thc and cbd obviously a more advanced understanding of natural medicine in your home country and it's so funny the the sitting around the table of which you discuss uh with us in europe that's at the european industrial hemp association conference in cologne um and i remember in 2015 i have records of bringing in isolate um and it was $65,000 a kilo <laughs> for that isolate um and thank you for not only bringing the price down into the sense but there for doing it and and striving in a in a current good manufacturing practices against CGMP highest standards for testing measurement quality safety uh environment just really blazing that trail so if you could Tell the listeners about some of the fiber projects that are going on either through Can Indica although something tells me Can Indica is maybe more of an of an extract company you'll please correct me for the listeners if I'm wrong on that um and and the fiber projects that in India Industrial Hemp Association is engaged in whether small scale or for research and development or straight up commercial purposes what's going on with the stock of that plant So uh fiber is uh, asia's uh, 
big pride you know china or india or we um, uh, we are very uh, strong always on whether it's a hemp fiber it's a flex fiber it's a remi fiber it's a pineapple fiber bamboo fiber we have we have everything plants all plants have fiber we make out everything from those fibers so fiber technologies and fiber goes uh, in asia way back uh, so in uh, even hemp fiber uh, in india uh, also ages back people used to make ropes uh, from hemp fiber for their cattles and uh, people used to make uh, footwear from uh, uh, these hemp fiber and they it's not they used to make you can come to india they still make it their tribes they make these hemp fibers uh, footwear they make bags out of it by hand uh, so hemp fiber has a long history now coming back what we are doing with hemp fiber we are industrial we are getting this into the big industry you know it has to be have a big industry to adapt uh, and india stand alone we have a demand of 100000 tons with our buyers uh, to buy fiber and if i am not wrong i remember you were there uh, with me in chta first conference ottawa and uh, daniel was there and uh, i i switched my uh, presentation hearing that canadians were burning their fibers i said like it that's a big big gap in this global uh, trading universe that we are deficit of fiber and they are burning the fibers like which is gold for us so if you remember i said like you bring all the fibers to me i'll buy everything you have and <laughs> that's that's how big the fiber industry is we don't have supplies which we have to if you talk about uh, if the indian fiber industry wakes up and we get a stagnant good price continuous fiber in india we are the biggest buyer even for china we buy fibers like i just bought 700 tons of fiber just for my client in india and uh, that's how big the market of indian fiber is and if i would have shown my carpets are made of handmade hemp fiber and my whole house uh, is full of hemp fiber carpets which are handmade over there so big industry now what what are we doing it's in iha we have some old genetics which are uh, specially breeds of india which go around 25 feet tall which is like trees and they are go straight like bamboo and they are the best fibers you will not see a flower it's like a one year plant okay so if you be so it in india in on say by january we will not get the flower till december it will keep on growing like a tree so that's what the uh, that kind of genetics we are using for fiber so that we can get more out of small lands so our expectation is around uh, getting from this kind of a variety 5 to 8 tons uh, per acre uh, and uh, uh, these fibers we will be using for various uh, purposes uh, primarily uh, the main fiber will go in the clothing line uh the secondary fiber will go in the handloom industry indian handloom industry is quite big where all the women in the low, uh, small villages they uh, make uh, carpets rugs a lot of bags out of their you know uh, their own uh, their hands so that's a handloom industry there's an that's again an ancient uh, old techniques uh, which is uh, thriving and surviving in india very well uh so uh fiber that will also go over there uh then when we clean the fiber we get short fibers short fibers will go for handmade papers 
uh, you talk about um, uh, these um, installations, uh, various other things which have uh, the third grade. So that's how the whole industry will adapt in India on the fibers. And we are actually, we are doing already these things in India. Uh, so uh, our company, Can Indica, uh, is not only doing CBD, it is all uh, a complete package where we are completing uh, from the protein side, uh, uh, the medicinal side and the fiber side. Can Indica has three brands, all have uh, different names like Can, uh, Can Indica has for medicinal ice spots and uh, for uh, proteins uh, for seeds we have pocket protein and uh, we have uh, for fiber we have earthify so uh, that's what we are doing excellent and i was wondering i was going to ask you um about uh, if whether anything was happening with the grain if there's any oil pressing seed cake milling into protein powders and it sounds like you've got that infrastructure going as well yes Wow, just absolutely uh, tremendous. Um, and let me, and, and I also want to make sure, of course, that any new listeners know, and I say it all the time, that while hemp may look like flax or canaf uh, or other fiber plants while it's growing on the microscopic level, the cellulosic makeup of hemp is incredibly unique. There is no other cellulosic makeup of a, of a plant fiber um, anywhere or a biological fiber anywhere on the planet. In fact, it is said that on the nanoscale, a nanometer being a billionth of a meter, so a, a infinitesimal unit of measurement. Hemp is second in surface area and strength only to graphite whiskers and carbon nanotubes, which of course are cost prohibitive uh, materials, man-made materials, just on a research and development level to say nothing um, of being able to manufacture products that mere mortals could, could purchase. So. Uh, the fact that uh, you're delving into this area, I think, on every level, from the most rudimentary, as you say, hand-loomed carpets to uh, carbon nanotubes, air and space, supercapacitors, energy, battery storages, and everything in between, textile paper, building materials, biocomposites, just such, such a feat. Before we part, Rohit, is there any message, a global message or otherwise, that you want to make? Make sure you communicate to the hemp baron's audience. Well, that's a that's always a tough one for me to give a message. I'm, all, I'm good with work and work talks, I'm not a messenger. Totally. Uh, uh, well, I we should cover like uh, we are we have made bioethanol in 2013. I started the trial and with the herds uh, we have made bioethanol and uh, where people are uh, not finding it tough where you know they use flowers or cbd and what to do with the herd so much of herds comes uh, you can uh, we have already a 5g technology which can convert those herds into a bioethanol co2 and one go and power also can be generated so the farmers who are making and producing cbds it will be helpful for them to put a small bioethanol plant and that bioethanol they can use for their extractions as well as uh, obviously other things so that also was one of the technologies uh, we achieved i think that was two years back it's already an old technology for us 
No, and thank you so much for that. And what a great concept to close on as here in the United States, the U.S. Department of Agriculture has reopened its comment period uh, regarding its interim final rule for the domestic hemp production program, where uh, disposal of non-compliant hemp, anything that is above 0.3, is definitely at issue among a multitude of other uh, issues in the interim final rule that were influenced, unduly influenced by the DEA, as as testified before Congress, um, said the Secretary of the USDA just recently. Um, but pyrolysis, why are we, as you say, and, and, and when you were at CHTA, the Canadian Hemp Trade Alliance, the other event that you referenced and, and learned that that you know the Canadians were burning their fiber. Well, here in yep. the United States, there are only so many ways that we're allowed to dispose of non-compliant hemp. Burning is one of them. Composting is about the most useful thing that you're allowed to do with non-compliant hemp. And here we have pyrolysis, and as you say, bioethanol um, machines that the farmers can actually operate. Some of these are very low cost. The farmers could actually operate on farm, and, and we very much are pushing the U.S. Hemp Roundtable and other coalition partners for pyrolysis to be an allowable form to dispose of the world's most valuable fiber. Man. Rohit, I cannot wait to have you on again. It is such a pleasure. I know the listeners can't see you, but I certainly can through our uh, Squadcast Pat platform here or through our MJ Bulls platform uh, here. I'm wishing you everything good. I'm sending so much love and light to you and the family and your whole team in India and throughout the world, Rohit. Thank you so much for being with us on Hemp Barons today and for everything you do for this incredible plant. Thank you so much, Joy. And good to see you. And next year we will be not on pot like this on camera in real, <laughs> the way we like it. We will sit around a table like we like it, brother. I'm missing, I'm missing America, New York, <laughs> other places. Yeah. Big time, big time. See you, soon. See you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you soon, brother. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. 
We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.